Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, guys, I hope you had, had a fun afternoon. I hope you did some things that you normally never get to do, uh, swinging across zip lines. And uh, it's always fun when you get to shoot at your friends with paintballs. Uh, those, are, those are things that, uh, that bind us together in love towards one another as you shoot them in the face with a paintball. Uh, guys, I want to talk with you tonight about, uh, uh, you know, if you have, a, if you have a, a godly spouse, you have a good thing. Okay, so my wife, my, wife, my wife tends to simplify things that I tend to complicate. And uh, uh, so she, she said something to me tonight that I'm just going to share with you. Um, you know, she's, this is what she, she tells me. She's like, yeah, you're a pastor, but you're also a dad. Tell them what you want to tell your kids. You know, so I got four kids and, and, uh, I said, that's what I want to do tonight. I, I, I want to talk to you like, like you were my children. Like, like, like if I was your dad and I want the absolute best for you, this is what I would tell you. So, uh, you know, last night we talked about sin, the effects of sin, what, what sin does to you. And uh, this morning we kind of camped out on, on, on what, God, what God does, what God did for a sinner. And then tonight, I, I kind of want to go, so how do you respond to it? How do you respond to everything that we've talked about so far to this point? So um, I heard a story about a guy who was, he was a young married man. He was working his way through college uh, or, or through seminary. He wanted to be a pastor, and he was, he was doing landscaping on the side. But he did some work for a pretty wealthy businessman. And, uh, and it seemed like every couple of months, this guy, this businessman, came, came home with a, with a new vehicle. When I say a new vehicle, he wasn't buying a Toyota Prius. Like, he was buying some high-end sports cars, spending some money on it. If you, if you run a Toyota Prius, that's no diss on you. I'm just saying, it's not a high-end sports car. That's all I'm saying. And uh, um, so this guy pulls up with like a different sports car every couple of months. And uh, uh, they had built a relationship between the landscaper and, and, and this guy. And the landscaper, you know, he's, he's just trying to make ends meet. He's trying to get through school. He's trying to support a young family. And, and finally, the guy rolls up one day with another sports car that he spent eighty dollars to $100,000 on. And... And he said, what do you think? And, uh, and, and the landscaper, the, the young guy just said, I don't think it's working. I don't think it's working. And the, the businessman kind of looked at him and said, dude, it's, it's brand new. There's nothing wrong with it at all. And the guy just said, it's not doing what you're trying to make it do. It's not going to work for that. Like, how many cars are you going to come home with before you're satisfied? What you're trying is not going to fill the empty spot in your life. And when I heard that, I was just like, what are we trying to fill our lives with to bring us ultimate satisfaction? And I'll say this. At almost every age and almost every phase of your life, that's going to change for you. That, that thing that you're pursuing. You know, when I, was, when I was 15, 16 years old, man, all I could think about was a vehicle 
so I could have freedom. If I could somehow finagle a way to get my own vehicle, I would have freedom from my parental units and life would be amazing. And I got it. And guess what? It just moved on to something else. Something else that I needed. Something else that I wanted. The newest thing. It was just a, it was just a carousel, man. Up and down, round and round. It was always something different. And that's how, that's how, that's how I went through life. It's why drugs, you know, hopefully no one in here is addicted to drugs, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if somebody's room is using drugs to cope with whatever issues you're experiencing. But if you don't, you probably know someone who is, or a family member, or you've heard of something. But drugs are just temporary fix. They just take, they just take the pain away for a little while. That's all it does. The relationship, you know, we talked about this a couple times already too. The relationship that we're pursuing, that special someone, man, if I could just, if I could just make that union happen, man, it'd be, it'd be beautiful. It'd be amazing. And, and, and this is how we think. This is how we justify like certain relationships, especially church folk. We would be able to worship God and honor God together instead of separately. And that would like multiplies the love, Right? Like we can come up with whatever excuse we want to do to make, to make it work and to make it okay and to justify our actions when really we're wanting a relationship to fill a void that it was never created to fill. We're wanting a material possession to fill a void that it was never created to fill. We're wanting a drug to fill a void that it was never created to fill. And the thing is, the list goes on and on and on and on of what we try to use to fill a void that it was never created to fill. You heard the phrase, you, 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 try to, you can't fit a square peg in a round hole. But yet we, we just try to beat on that square peg as hard as we can and force it to fit and force it to fit our needs and to make life better. Everything that this world has to offer is simply a band-aid on a bullet hole. But for some reason, we think, I'll just stick a band-aid on it, and it'll be okay when we're bleeding. And sin is eating us from the inside out. Not only did sin corrupt the creation tapestry, sin corrupts the very tapestry of your life. Sin will continue to corrupt the very tapestry of your life. We made it pretty clear this morning that God was the one who could do something about that. We can't. We can't earn it, can't be good enough, can't live righteously enough, can't pray enough, can't go to church enough, can't give enough money. We can't check all the boxes that are out there to check in order to pay for our penalty of sin, to pay what sin has caused in our life. You know what sin, sin makes us the center of the universe. Sin makes us want to be in the middle, want to be the, the dead center. Everything revolves around us. That's what sin wires us to do. We make decisions because it makes us happy. So with sin, we're all bent toward it. We get that. We understand it. We're bent toward it. We're born with it. We talked about that. It's something real. It's something personal. We want, we want something that brings, that brings joy, something that brings fulfillment. 
None of those things can be found outside of a relationship with God. We can find temporary fixes, but nothing that will eternally fix the voids that we come across in life. Nothing, just God. And you say, well, man, you, you say that with confidence. How do you know that? Because God is our creator and he created us that way. We are created for a specific, intentional, vibrant, intimate relationship with our creator, with God. And yet, we scratch and we strive and we run and we check out all these different places. It's like going to the buffet. You know, when you go to the buffet, you want to try a little bit of everything, right? And it's what we do in life. We try to find, the, we try to find something. We try to find something that, 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 that heals the pain. Something We've all got a different set of issues. If you haven't realized it, we're all a little bit broken and busted. So you might look to the person to your left or right, and you might think, man, they got their stuff together. I guarantee you they're broken and they're busted. Why can I make that guarantee? Because they're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner, and that sin separates. Son, we have walked that dog this weekend. If we haven't made that clear, we've definitely made that clear. Sin separates us from God. It does. We've all got a sin problem. We've got an issue with it. I got a daughter, showed you my picture of my daughter, and, and she's doing pretty well today. Some of you have asked me about her, and some of you told me you pray for her. You don't know what that means to me as a dad, so thank you so much for that. Um, with, uh, with, with the stuff that's going on in her life right now with her friend that, uh, that committed suicide, so thank you for, uh, for praying for her. And, uh, <clears throat> but my daughter, she, uh, she's, she's, uh, she's a unique cat. You know, I told you about my my. Son, he's a unique cat. He, he waves to stuff in the toilet as it goes down, so that, that makes it unique. But my daughter, like, I'm thankful for it, but at the same time, I'm like, girl, come on. Like, I'm 48 years old. Like, fashion sense? Now, I've always, my whole life, I've been a jeans and a t-shirt guy. Like, I'm just a jeans and a t-shirt guy. That's, I think guys have it easier than girls for the most part, because dudes are just like jeans and t-shirt. Like, what, or, or, okay, shorts and t-shirt, all right? And it's summer, so I just switched over, you know? But a lot of times... A lot of times, the ladies, y'all got things a little bit more difficult. Now, there's jeans and t-shirt ladies, too. And this is a stereotype, and I don't want to, you can get in trouble when you start talking stereotypes. But for the most part, ladies have a few more issues when it comes to getting ready in the morning than guys do. Right? Guys, we get up, we put on jeans and a t-shirt. If our hair looks bad, I never have issues with my hair. Like, it <laughs> always looks good. It's the product I'm using. I'm, I'll, let you, I'll let you know what it is. This is sweet stuff. But like, and even when I did have hair, what do we do? We just put a hat on. You know, put a hat on, walk out the door. Most, most girls are like, I can't go out. I'm not leaving the house with wet hair. I got I to gotta fix it. Whereas the guy's like, oh, it'll dry. Like, <laughs> we don't care. Like, cow licks, they don't bother us. Like, we're just like, look, man, it's, it's the wind that did it. But, but, but ladies... Ladies tend to care a little bit more about their appearance than most guys. There's some dudes, they all up into their appearance now too. So, but, but mostly, I'm speaking in generalities here. Ladies, what you do is you got to coordinate an outfit. Now, my daughter, I'm thankful for this. And at the same time, I'm like, come on, girl. My daughter loves the Goodwill. Like she loves Goodwill. 
Do, do y'all, are y'all, we got some Goodwill people in here, some, good, some Goodwill girls. My daughter's a Goodwill girl. She'll walk in there with a $10 bill and walk out with like 10 bags. Boy, I mean, like she's, she is a, she is, but that's her. And then, and I, I don't get this, but like mom jeans, um, like mom jeans, not the least bit, they weren't flattering on moms and they're not flattering on you, but man, my daughter loves mom jeans. They come up to like right here and I'm like, what are you doing? My dad, when my dad passed away, I lost my dad like two years ago. And uh, my dad was 91 years old when he died. Like I was, I was like 40, he was 45 years old when I was born. And uh, uh, so he was 91 years old. He talked about some grandpa clothes. When my dad passed away, my daughter was like, grandma, can I go through grandpa's closet? <laughs> like members only jackets from 1982. Like my dad had the whole, like all, like eight colors, like maroon, green, black, gray, some members only. And I've been told like, like stuff like just works in a circle, like fashion works in a circle. You know what I mean? So she's like wearing like my dad's clothes that I remember my dad wearing like 20 years ago. And she thinks they're just the coolest thing in the world. So part of me is like super thankful for that because I don't have to spend any money on high-end clothing for my daughter. And I'm just like, I can give my daughter 10 bucks and say, girl, head on over to Goodwill. And she, she thinks I'm just a cool, awesome, generous dad. And I'm just like, Lord, thank you that my daughter could care less about what she wears. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, I'm like, girl, what are you wearing? Like, I'll say that to her face. We're pretty tight. Like, I, I love her. She knows I love her. But I can say that. But not only does she pick out an outfit, women got to have what we call accessories. Right? You got to have some accessories to go with the outfit because it makes it pop. You got to have a little pop. So apparently there's a goodwill of the internet as well. And some people call it China. My daughter orders, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, costume jewelry. Costume jewelry. Is that what it's called? Like she orders costume jewelry from China, which I know what costume jewelry is because you can like go to the store and pay $15 or $10 for like something that looks real. You know, this gold necklace with some like jade stones and leather wrapped around, like just random combinations of stuff. And, and, and it looks kind of cool. And she's like, yeah, this is like $20 at this boutique. And, uh, but I got six of them from China for $4. And it took, it only took 15 weeks to get here. <laughs> and I'm like, that's my girl, fist bump, you know, four bucks. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, but like, that's how she dressed. That's how you, because you got to have some earrings and you got to have something hanging around your neck. And then, and then if you choose to go with like some kind of man purse bag over your shoulder thing or, or, you know, some kind of purse or whatever. And then like your shoestrings got to, you know, there, there's shoes. I just always wore whatever shoestrings came in my shoes. Like that's how I do it. Cause I'm a dude. I'm not my daughter. You got to have certain outfits require certain color shoestrings. And I'm just like, what? So she'll rob a shoestring off of something. And then her socks don't match. Is that a thing? Like, did they do that intentionally? Okay, I thought so. I thought I knew it had to be intentionally because they never match. I'm like, she's doing this on purpose because she knows it bugs her dad. And she likes to press my buttons a little bit. And I'm like, why do you got socks that don't match? She said, well, they do match. I'm like, what are you talking about? They do match. Well, they're both the same size. Okay. I might like, socks. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. As Parenting 101, just choose your battles. And that's not a big battle. But, but she likes accessories because they complete the outfit, right? 
So this is what we do with Jesus. And we fall into this trap, especially, especially people that have been raised in the church. Young people that have been raised in the church, that was me. I was raised in the church. So I fall into this category. Like I, this was absolutely 100% me when I was going through high school because I believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did. I believe Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sins, and daggum, and I went to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday night, too, and I went to church every Wednesday night because that's what my dad said we're going to do. I was churched, show sure enough churched. So I was there. I believed, and I was there. I had no doubt Jesus died on the cross. I believed it 100% of the time. But if you ask my friends what I believed about Jesus, I don't know that they could tell you an answer. If you ask my friends if I went to church, they'd be like, yeah, he goes to church. He goes to church all the time. They got a church across town that has that gym because we play ball over there. He invites us to church to play ball with them. But I never invited my friends to church because I had a desire for them to learn about Jesus. So what Jesus was to me is what those matching earrings are to my daughter. He was just an accessory. That's all he was. What's the big deal about what, what's the big deal about that? Is Jesus your Lord? Or is he just your accessory? Something that something that just kind of accentuates your outfit a little bit. I wear a cross around my wear a cross around my neck. That's how people know that I'm a follower of Jesus. How about the little Christian fish on the car? And they'll know we are Christians by the fish on our car. Y'all know that song, right? They will know we are Christians by the fish on our cars. No, that's not how that song goes. They'll know, they'll know we're Christians by our love. But for some of us, which is, well, I got a Christian fish. I got a cross. Jesus is, he's just an accessory to your outfit. Or is he your Lord? Or is he your everything? Because if he's just an accessory to your outfit, if he's just the, the symbol around your neck, he's not your Lord. He's not your savior. And you are not one of his followers. And, and I, wanna, I, I wanna say this well, because I wanna speak truth to you. And I wanna speak truth to you in love. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that he could just be a piece of your outfit. That doesn't make sense. Jesus died on the cross so that he could be your everything. Your everything. We've been talking about sin a lot. Romans 6, 23, 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What, what is this gift? Well, you guys... Man, I love Christmas. Like Christmas, Christmas, bar none, my favorite holiday. You know why? Presents, gifts. Dude, I don't need a trick question. It's got nothing to do with decorating the house, decorating the Christmas tree. All that stuff's work. Man, I love Christmas morning because I like to open presents. Who doesn't? I like to give presents too. But daggum it, it's fun to give a good present. It is a great feeling. The scripture tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. I love giving a present that I know somebody is going to love. Like that's a good feeling. That's a fantastic feeling. But I also, every now and then, like every now and then, like my kids are getting a little bit older. 
And it's crazy because I've never expected my kids to get me anything good. You know, what, like, you know, you, know, you know what we do when we're kids. We'll just, you know, I, can I like write like a note that just says, I love you, you're a good dad, and he'll appreciate that? I absolutely will appreciate that. But when my kids were old enough, like my, my two oldest boys are old enough, and they got a little income now, and they're working, they like hooked me up at Christmas this year. Bought me like, I got these shoes on my feet. My kid bought it for me. My other son bought me this hoodie I got on. And I'm like, that's something that I would like, really like to have. So it's cool when I get a good present from, from my kids. That's awesome. But I like presents. But, but I read this verse, the wages of sin is death, and we covered that. But, but the free gift of God is eternal life. What's something about a gift? How much does a gift cost? How much does a gift cost for me to receive it? Not a trick question. Zeros, that's it. You got it, dog. Nothing. Because it's a gift. If it costs me something, it's not a gift, right? That makes sense. That's not, not rocket science. And this is what we were talking about, that grace and that, and that mercy. We didn't ask for it and we don't deserve it, but God offers it. Now, I can stand up here with the gift. What's your name, man? Spencer. Spencer. Spencer's like, oh, dang, what's he about to do to me? Nothing, man. You're going to sit right there. Let's say, Spencer, I got a gift for you, right? And I'm, so we're going to pretend this is a really cool gift, but it's not. It's just imaginary gift. But let's just say it was a really cool gift. I was like, Spencer, man, I got a gift for you, dog. I want to give this to you. You got a choice, don't you? You actually have a choice. You know what your choice is? Spencer's like, man, is this a trick question? Like, like I, don't, I don't know. Here's your choice, Spencer. I can give you this gift, and you, and you can actually take the gift, but you might go back to the room, throw that gift on the bed, head over there to the wagon wheel, get you some M&Ms and a Coca-Cola, chow down, come in here in the morning, eat some breakfast, pack up, look at that gift, and go, I don't need what that dude's got. Leave that gift on the bed, head to the house. Never think about that gift again. You can do that. This is crazy. You can, you can, someone can offer you a gift, and you turn it down. You can just say, I'm not interested. You can absolutely do that with a gift. Or you, you can even accept the gift, never even open it. They don't know any better. Spencer can be like, thanks, dude. That's really nice of you. You're sweet. Like he could do that and still never open it. The free gift of God. This is a gift. This is why, this is why it's so amazing. We know John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his son. It was a gift that's offered to the world, to all of creation. That creation tapestry that's marred and, and, and botched up with sin, he offers the gift to the world of taking that corruption, removing it, and weaving you into the actual kingdom tapestry of eternity, which is amazing. My favorite verse in all the Bible says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I love this verse for this very reason. Because God doesn't say, God demonstrates his love toward you in that, let me start over. The verse does say God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is why I love that verse. Because God doesn't say, hey man, Get your act together and then come see me. You know what I mean? 
God says, oh, you're messed up. You're messed up. You're messed up. You're messed up. God says, I'll take you just like you are. I'll take you just like you are. I love you just like you are. I, I, you are, you are in, in, in God's sight, beautiful. You got a sin problem. I can fix that. You can't fix it, but I can fix it. Come on, I'll take you just like you are. I love that verse for that very reason. Because God doesn't say, man, you got you to gotta quit listening to that music that you're listening to if you want to come if you want to come to, if you want to come to me, that, that stuff you've been watching on the internet at 3 a.m., no, you got, to, you got to clean all that stuff because I'm a holy God. You got to take care of your sin issue before you come see me. That relationship that you're in that's not honoring and glorifying, you got to take care of that before you come see me. It's because, you know what, we understand that though. That, that sort of makes sense. But if that makes sense, if that's how you think God operates, you got a jacked up view of God. Because God clearly says he demonstrated his love for us in that while you were still sinners, he did something about your sin problem. He paid your sin debt through Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a big question right there. Why has it got to be Jesus Christ? Why, does it, why, does, why is Jesus the only one who can pay my sin debt? Two things. The first one is this. If you read the Old Testament at all, if you study the Old Testament, they talk about the sacrificial system. They used to like kill animals and stuff. But if you, if you read the wording of the Old Testament, they did that. They would, they would kill an animal because something had to pay the price. Something had to die. Okay? Something had to die in order to take care of the sins that you had committed. But if you read the wording in the Old Testament, you'll see, you'll see that it says it covered over your sins. Didn't take away your sins. In the Old Testament, every time they did a sacrifice, it covered over their sins. It was like just a, it was just a covering. It didn't take away your sins. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It had to be Jesus because Jesus was the only perfect, spotless, sinless sacrifice. So the sinless sacrifice, the sinless Son of God, paid the penalty for our sins. And God says that price that Jesus paid, it's sufficient to pay the penalty for your sins. So you got this creation tapestry over here, but then you got this deep chasm that separates you from a holy and righteous God over here where his kingdom tapestry, it, where, where it exists, and there's nothing that you can do to get from over there to over there because this chasm in the middle, in the middle is just far too great. You can't do it. But God loved you enough that he sent his son to pay that penalty and to bridge that gap on your behalf. So because of that, that takes us to our next verse, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Now let me stop right there before I keep reading that verse. This is a big deal. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we come to a point where we say, I have a sin problem, God, and I can't do anything about it. But you did. You sent your son Jesus. And I want to verbally confess that I, that I want you to be my Lord. 
and my Savior and my King. I confess it verbally. I say it out loud. But not only that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he did pay the penalty on the cross, that he did die on the cross for your sins. But not only did he die, he conquered death. He rose again. He literally conquered death. He came back to life. And for some of you, you're like, bro, that just sounds sci-fi. It does sound sci-fi. I'm with you on that. I agree. It sounds sci-fi, but that's why Jesus is the only one who has the ability to pay the penalty for our sins and for the sins of the world, because he was the only one who lived sinless. So when he died on the cross for our sins, he paid that penalty. He he redeemed us from our sin is, is what we call that. So when he did that, he made a way for us to move from this corrupt creation, sinful tapestry. And he said, I'll take you. And it's like, it's like, I'll just run this thread through my desanitizer, gets rid of COVID, gets rid of everything, gets rid of every sin you ever did. And I'm going to weave you into my kingdom tapestry. I'm going to make you, remember this morning, positionally a citizen of heaven. That's what Jesus does for our sin problem. That's what he does for, for you and I. And verse 10 tells us, for with the heart we believe We believe in our heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. For with the heart we believe and are justified, and with the mouth we confess and we're saved. We're saved from our sins. God offers eternal life free from sin, and there's only one way to get it, and it's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ alone. He's the only one that can do anything for our sin problem. But there are some requirements. Like, whoa-oh, here's the catch. Here's some caveats. There's some requirements on your part. You want to become a follower of Christ? There's some things that are required on, on, on your end. Yep, we believe. Absolutely, we believe. Jesus died for our sins. We confess. But when we do that, we're asked to repent. Repent means I'm going this way. I'm living my life this way. I'm doing what I want to do. And I say, oh, now I'm going to turn. I'm going to do things God's way. I'm walking in a different direction. I'm walking in a different path. I'm now a different person. I'm called to be different. I'm called to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be holy. I'm called to, 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 to be baptized. I'm called to, to identify with Christ through, through his death and his resurrection. Like I'm, I'm called to be, a, to be a, like 100% all in on this team. And this is the thing. This is where we get tripped up a lot of times. And we fall back into, oh, yeah, I'm down with Jesus. Jesus is cool right now. I'm, I'm all, this sounds really good. But are you really all in? Are you all in? Jesus says, I want you to be all in. I don't want to just be an accessory on your outfit. Because what happens is you still sin. You become a follower of Jesus. Some of you guys in here, you know this all too well. I know it. Guess what? Guess what? I didn't become perfect when I surrendered my life to Jesus. God is molding and changing me each and every day along the way. But, but let me tell you what I did find when I became a follower of Jesus. 
I found that I don't have to chase all those things I was chasing before to try to bring fulfillment, to try to bring joy, to try to bring peace in my life. I could find all that in my Savior. But not until I was all in. Not partly in, not halfway in, not just testing the waters till I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. And I don't believe that it's a mistake that any one of you guys are in this room this weekend. So what I want to wrap up with tonight is this. Two groups of people in this room. There may be a person in this room. There may be 25 people in this room. I, I don't know you guys, man. I, I, I'm used to talking to people that I know and have relationships with. And very few people in the audience I don't know. But in this bunch, I don't know you guys. We don't really have a relationship. I've talked to some of you, but we don't have a relationship. We don't know each other. But I know there's probably two groups of people in this room. The first group is there's a person who I'm not all in on following Jesus. I never have been. This is all pretty new to me. And I just want to ask, I just want to ask, I want to, I want to state, I want to ask, I want to tell you, Jesus desires a relationship with you, a vibrant, living, intimate, real deal relationship with you. He doesn't want you to be religious. He doesn't want you to, to step into a set of rules and do this and don't do that and check a bunch of boxes. He wants you to be in a relationship where you put him and following him first. And there's another group of people in here. You call yourself a Christian. You have called on to God. You've confessed with your mouth. You believe in your heart. But is Jesus just an accessory to you? Or is he the whole ensemble? He wants to be your everything. Here in just a few moments, we're going to leave this room. And this is what I want you to do. You're going you're gonna to leave this room. You're going to go talk to your small group leader. And you're going to have a conversation about this. We got some questions printed out. But ultimately, this is the first question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to turn down his gift? Or are you going to accept his gift? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We praise you. As we break up into our small groups here in just a few moments, Lord, I just ask that in the time it takes to get from here to wherever this group was meeting, God, that you would set in the minds of these students a decision, a decision to follow you or to reject you. And God, it's my prayer that everybody in this room would desire to follow you and would choose to follow you and accept the forgiveness that you offer through your son. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.